The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church and Pastor Joshua Ermler. Good morning, church family. Psalm chapter 139 for our Bible study this morning, Psalm 139. It's always a blessing just to get together uh, with our whole church family together, kind of combining both the early service as well as the late service. And uh, we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to do over the next few weeks in a brand new sermon series that we are going to do that will take us through the rest of August. I hope each and every one of you enjoyed our study through the book of Colossians. Uh, We spent a couple of months marching verse by verse by verse uh, through that book of the Bible, and I hope it was a help and an encouragement to you. Uh, We're going to be doing that again starting in September. We've got another book that we're preparing, and we're going to go verse by verse by verse through another book of the Bible starting in September. Uh, But for here in August, we're going to do a little bit of a unique series called Life Verses. Uh, Our teaching team, uh, of course, like many of you, have time where we just spend personal time in the Word of God. And there are certain things as we're studying the Word of God that the Lord just does in our own hearts. And there are passages and verses that have really just resonated with us individually. And and God's Spirit and His Word just used to, to grow us. And so over the next four weeks, our teaching team is going to take an opportunity to go through some of these life verses, just passages that mean so much to us, passages that the Lord has used in our own heart, in our own life, and hence the name Life Verses. And so uh, today, uh, our youth pastor is going to come, Alan Taylor, he's going to give his next week. Uh, I'll have the opportunity of sharing, and then Pastor Nick after that. And for four weeks, our teaching team will go through and just share through this series. And so we're looking forward to it. I hope you'll open up your heart. Uh, open up your Bibles and prepare yourself for what the Lord has. So I'm going to ask Brother Allen, you can come at this time, and we're going to dive into God's Word. All right, good morning. I don't know about you guys, I've said this before, but Sunday is my favorite day of the week. I love church. I love our church. Did you guys like that new song this morning? Is he worthy? I think uh, one, of my, one of my favorite parts, and I'm serious, this is one of my favorite parts about our church is that we get to sing those song, songs as a congregation together. I, I grew up uh, in, a, in a super traditional church, and it seemed like every time there was a really good song that the choir got to sing it, and I, I can't sing. And so I just, I never got to sing those really good songs. And so at our church, I get to stand in the back and sound like a dying dog while we, while we sing out uh, these good songs. I get to participate in one way or another, so I, I love that about our church. Well, as Pastor mentioned, uh, we're starting this series, and it is called Life Verses. I remember when I was uh, growing up, the, the youth group was uh, something that I was a part of, and it meant a lot to me. And I remember I had a youth pastor when I was growing up, had a big impact on my life, and he constantly said to us, you need to get a life verse. You need to have a life verse. And I remember thinking uh, at that age or that stage of my life, I remember thinking, man, that seems like a, a really big commitment, like a, uh, um, to have a verse that that's the verse that you have for your whole entire life, you know? He'd say, you need a life first. If you don't have one, get one. And man, I, I thought about it, and I thought about having a life verse, and I thought, you know, it, it, it was a big commitment. I didn't even have a steady girlfriend. Like, I, 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 that's a huge commitment for me to have a life verse. And so I remember just throughout my, my teenage years and even my young adult years, I remember that there were verses that had an impact on my life. There were verses that meant something to me. And I think that for me, Uh, life verses, maybe that phrase, hasn't necessarily meant a a verse that has been one verse that has applied to my entire life, and perhaps you've found yourself in that position. For me, um, it's been more likely that I have found myself in uh, stages or seasons of life that a verse has a heavy impact on me. 
And I think that uh, what we're going to look at this morning, uh, that's probably the case for this verse. Uh, there, there are stages in my life that I haven't found myself necessarily in this position where this verse would apply to my life like it does right now. Um, but this verse uh, has had heavy application for me during this season of my life, when I found myself busy or, or um, needing to find focus, different things like that, and we'll, we'll get into that in a moment here. But uh, that said, maybe this isn't the verse that has a, applied to my teenage years and maybe not even my young adult years, but certainly I find myself turning to, to this passage and recognizing what's happening and what's being said in my life at this moment. I'm going to read a lot of verses, so I'm just going to go ahead and uh, let you remain seated for this portion, but I'm actually going to start reading in Psalm 13 and verse number two. You don't need to turn there, just a couple verses, and then we'll, we'll jump over to Psalm 139, which you've probably already turned to. Psalm 13, verse two, the first verse there, uh, this, is, this is David speaking, and we're going to look at a lot of what he said this morning as we, even, as we get into Psalm 139, but Psalm 13 says, how long will I store up anxious concerns. I'm, I'm focusing on those words. We're going to come back to those later, but anxious concerns within me. Agony within my mind every day. How long will my enemy dominate me? Consider me and answer, Lord my God. Restore brightness to my eyes, otherwise I will sleep in death. Mine enemies will say I have triumph over you, and my foes will rejoice because I am shaken. Throughout Psalms, we see uh, that David often says things very similar to this. We're going to see this again in a moment, but he talks about, um, he, he uses the word concern oftentimes, anxious, anxiousness, anxious, concern, worry, those words pop up. So now we move to Psalm 139, where I'm going to start reading in verse number 17. And as I read this passage, I kind of, uh, I start to think about what position David is in. I start to think about where he finds himself. And I even sometimes start to insert my own personality into these verses. I know when I was, uh, when I was in high school, I worked at McDonald's for four years, and I, I actually really enjoyed it, but um, I, I kind of worked my way up, and I worked my way to management, and they sent us to something called Hamburger University. It's a real thing, and at Hamburger University, they taught us as, as teenagers, really, how to manage people, how we could better manage people. I remember one of the things that they taught us was that um, before you approach someone, that you either have bad news for or you want something from them, you want to kind of butter them up, you know, kind of like your kids do to you. They come and they're like, oh, mom, you look so pretty today, and I love that dress, and I want to have a friend over to spend the night, right? We, we all do that, and, and um, I see here David perhaps doing maybe a little bit of the same thing. He's actually spent some of these verses telling God how great he is. We pick it up in verse number 17, God, how difficult your thoughts are for me to comprehend how vast their sum. If I counted them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, I'm still with you. And we go to verse number 19, and he's got, he's got some request. He's got, he's got something that's making him feel anxious or concerned or worried. He jumps right into it, verse 19. God, if only you would kill the wicked. It's a big request. Have you ever had somebody you just wish God would kill? I mean, that, that's a heavy request, right? Nobody's going to raise their hand to that. That's, that's what David's saying, God. If you, if you would kill the wicked, you bloodthirsty men, stay away from me, who invoke you deceitfully, your enemies swear by you falsely. Lord, don't I hate those who hate you, and I detest those who rebel against you. I hate them with extreme hatred. I consider them mine enemies. Now, the way that I read this verse, the way that I see this, I think one of the reasons that it has uh, an impact for me, or, or um, especially at this stage of my life, is all of a sudden I see a shift here. 
He's asking God to take care of this problem that he has, these people that bother him because they don't like God and he considers them his enemies. He's literally asking these people to be killed. And all of a sudden there's a shift here. He goes in the next verse and he says, search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my, we see that word again, my concerns. And then the last verse there, he says, see if there be any offensive way in me. And for, for me, this stage of my life, that particular verse there, verse number 23, I've, I've returned to several times and I've thought, no matter what's going on around me, no matter who's impacting my life or, or causing me to uh, think worrisome or, or troubling thoughts, no matter who's causing me concern or what is causing me to be anxious, I want to turn to God and focus just he and I and say, God, search me. Tell me what's wrong with me. Tell me why I feel this way. Tell me why I'm feeling stress or anxious, or concerned. Why is that? And, and I want to just focus on my relationship between me and God. And that, that's what I want to preach on this morning, this idea of search me. So I'm going to pray real fast, and we will jump into the sermon. I will say this, uh, if you're visiting with us this morning, uh, we hand out a service program guide. There is a, a welcome, or you may, got, may have got a welcome packet. There is a connection card in there. If you take some time during the service to fill that out, a little later we have a gift that we would like to give you. So uh, you can do that maybe even throughout the service. Let's pray real fast, and we will jump right into this. Lord, thank you for this day, Lord, and I thank you for our church, Lord. I thank you for what a blessing it's been um, in my life and, and for many of uh, those in our church, Lord. I thank you so much for all that you're doing in our lives and through our church and all the growth that we've seen, both spiritually and physically, Lord. I pray that you would just continue to bless us. Be with the sermon this morning, Lord, and I pray that you would give each of us something that we can take and apply to our lives. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Whenever I finished Bible college, uh, I got, got right out of Bible college. I was a young, uh, you know, zealous, uh, just, just past teenager. I guess I was 21, 22 years old. And the very first job I got, uh, matter of fact, the, I held for about a decade or so, uh, the church that I was on staff at, we had a, a school there. And part of my responsibility at that school, in fact, uh, the brunt of my responsibility at the school, um, was to write demerits. I, was, uh, I, w I didn't necessarily follow all the way through on all the disciplinary action, but I was to begin that disciplinary action. And so I, I took that job seriously, you know, as certainly being as young as I was and, and uh, uh, just looking around and, oh man, this person's out of dress code and this person showed up to class late and all these things and, and this was what my job was. You know, I realized quickly through that that uh, I could allow other people their behavior, what they were doing, what they weren't doing, what time they did it, what time they didn't do it, I could allow that to impact me and cause me some level of stress, worry, concern, anxiety. And, uh, you know, that's, that's on a small level, and I think that we all understand the, uh, the um, need for something like that. You know, we, most of us have kids that have gone to school, go to school, we've gone to school, we understand the need for something like that. But I recognized very early that I could allow those around me to pull my focus away from God and, and give me those feelings of anxiousness and concern. And uh, this morning, as I, as I think about that, and I think about um, the way that that happened at a very early age, I recognize that if I don't pull my focus back to God as I get older, it, it only gets worse. There's, there's bigger things there's bigger problems, there's bigger people that can pull my focus away from where God wants it to be. And this morning, I'm going to preach actually a very, very practical sermon, and I want to look at the things that I turn to 
to help me pull my focus back to God. Now, I, I warn you that it's overly practical because I don't want to lose the, the spiritual value within this. I don't want to lose the fact that our goal is to turn to God because you could take these very practical things, these truths, these bib- biblical truths, and you could try to pull them into a realm maybe that isn't spiritual or isn't, isn't focusing you on God. Even though it is very practical, we have to remember that our goal is to turn to God and say, search me, God, Know my thoughts, know my concerns, see if there be any wicked way in me. So I want to look at a couple of other verses real briefly here. We're going to have a little longer introduction, then we'll just move real fast through the sermon. I want to look at a couple of other verses that we see this word here uh, that, that David has used, this word worry, concern. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, first of all, says, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. We're going to talk about that a little more in a minute. But that word there, don't worry about anything. Matthew 6, the Sermon on the Mount, verse number 25, Jesus says, this is why I tell you, don't worry about your life. You will eat or you will drink, uh, or what you will eat or what you will drink, about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And so we see these, uh, these thoughts not to worry, not to be concerned uh, with these things. And so this particular word here that's used in these two verses, we actually see this word in the original language used, I think it's about 17 times throughout the New Testament. And I want to look at that word for just a minute, and I'm going to mispronounce it, but that's okay. I think the original word is pronounced Merimneo, something like that. And if that's not close, that's okay, because I'm going to tell you what it means. Merimneo, it means to be anxious or to care for. Again, we find this verse used uh, all throughout the New Testament, and it's primarily translated into three English words. We see that translated as worry, we see it translated as anxious, and we see it translated as concern. Those are primarily the three words. There's a few other kind of derivatives there. But we see it in Luke 10, where uh, Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. You're, you're having this feeling of anxiousness. We see it uh, in 1 Corinthians. Paul says, I want you to be without concerns. And so now I want to tell you where this, this word merimneo comes from. It's, it's actually two words that are put together, and when you know what both of these words mean, I think it'll paint a very clear picture as to what, uh, what the word overall really means. The first word is, um, uh, I think it's pronounced either maritza or maritzo, and it literally means to divide into parts, or just to tear into two parts. And so this idea of dividing something. And then the second word is, is nous, or however it's pronounced, something like that. And that word means the mind. And so this, this word that's used here for worry, for concern, for anxiety, it literally means to have a, a torn mind, a divided mind, where your focus is no longer on Christ alone, but it's on all of these other oftentimes exteriors that, that are causing you to have concern and to have worry and to pull your focus away from Christ. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, the things that we as Americans allow to cause us concern or worry. Now, I've already talked about people, and we certainly know that people can oftentimes cause some level of stress for us, but think about uh, as Americans that we, ha- we have filters on our faucets, right? We have 
antibacterial soap. We, we uh, go to a restaurant and we ask that everything be served gluten-free. You know, we have all of these things that we think about that it's going to make it better for us. But at the same time, I read some statistics that say that 20% of Americans smoke. 20% of drivers don't wear a seatbelt. And here's a crazy one. An estimated 75% of mobile phone users text and drive. None of us have done it, but we've all seen it, right? We've all seen somebody do it. 75%. And, and here's the thing. We know, I don't have to convince any of you of the danger of doing that. We know that it's dangerous, but we tend to, we tend to focus on perceived dangers rather than actual dangers. We were just talking about, uh, Brent and I, we were just talking about uh, Lucas. We, were, we had some friends over last night, and we were talking about something that he had done. I don't remember specifically what it was, but we were just saying that he's kind of at that age where sometimes he'll do something without thinking, without seeing the danger that could be there. Truth is, as adults, we do that too. We, we have all these perceived dangers, and we allow that to take up our mind and take up our thoughts and to keep us from fo- focusing on what we should. I remember my dad used to use this example of a, of a lady that uh, every night when she would go to bed, that she would uh, remind her husband, did you lock the door? Did you set the alarm? You know, is, is the gun loaded? Just, just really worried that someone was going to break in the house. And uh, for 10 years, she did this every night. And uh, the story is told that finally one night, her husband wakes up. He hears a noise downstairs. He looks over. She's sound asleep. He goes downstairs, and sure enough, there's someone has broke into their home. He's got his gun out. He's got it aimed at him. He says, don't move. My wife's been waiting to meet you for 10 years, and you've got to go upstairs and meet. And, and the, the idea is kind of a dumb story he used to tell, but the idea here is that she spent 10 years concerned and worried and fretting over this thing that actually didn't happen when in a moment it happened and she wasn't even worried about it. And we, we allow all of this to just, just take up our mind, to fill up our mind. Story is to- told, anecdotal story. There's a fictional char- character, so don't be too worried about him, but the story of George. Uh, uh, George, uh, I've, I've changed his name, so it, it's uh, to protect the innocent. George worked 75 hours a week, and he was a busy executive, and there came a point in his life that he had a heart attack. He went to his doctor and uh, his doctor said, look, if you keep up this pace, if you continue to work this number of hours, if you uh, continue to, to give your life away in this way, I don't even give you a year to live. Um, the, you're not going to be able to keep, the, keep up with this. The stress and the schedule, the high blood pressure had caught up to George. And so now, because of this, George is actually listening to what his doctor has to say. He's listening to, uh, to the fact that he needs to change his habits so that he can live longer. And so he goes home, and while he's recuperating from this heart attack that he's had, he goes out and he sits on the back porch, and he takes a piece of paper and a pencil, and he writes a letter to God. And the letter says this, Dear God, I hereby resign as general manager of the universe. Signed, George. And the story is told, wonder of wonders, God accepted his resignation. He was able to just unload all of those things that he was worried about and he was concerned about uh, and, and live his life and live longer. Here's, here's what I'm getting to this morning. Uh, I'm hoping that by the end of this sermon, as I get through this, and we'll move quickly through a few things here, I'm hoping that maybe God will tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I'd like your resignation. 
I w- I'd like for you to stop focusing on all these things that don't matter, on all of these exteriors, on people that bother you, on things that don't get done, and I'd like to just focus on my relationship with you and your relationship with me. And I found that when I can do that, that's where I find myself in the most peaceful state. So let's move quickly here through just a few things that have helped me to turn my focus to God. First thing, number one, I want to look at my intake. Look at your intake. This is true whether this is in the physical or the spiritual realm, right? In the in this, uh, physical realm, we know that uh, if, if uh, the doctor says that we're unhealthy, what's the first thing that we do? We look at our intake. What am I putting into my body that is causing me to feel bad, to, to feel sway. And the same is true in the spiritual realm. Uh, I, found, I found this out uh, just over the past couple of weeks. I've been just, just been really, really busy. And uh, I, I've never done this before, but my phone was, I was just getting a ton of notifications. I've got all kinds of unread emails. I've got messages from people. I've got all this, this kind of thing. And I got my phone out, and again, some of you in this room, I know there's a dozen or more of you in this room that experienced that I did this, this last week. But I pulled it out, and I swiped down, and there's this little icon that has a moon. And I just turned it on. Do you want to know the amount of stress that that relieved from me? I didn't get any notifications. Y'all were texting me. I didn't know about it. I didn't reply to it. It didn't bother me. And I actually, I thought, this is really cool. And I got on YouTube and I looked for uh, something that was even better. I'm going to show it, show it to you, okay? So th- if you have an iPhone, it works. I don't know about other phones. There's this button here on the side. And if you, you hold it down, now don't hit this one over here or you'll take a screenshot of all your worries and stress and it'll be in your camera roll. You don't want to do that. You hold this down. And then as soon as it comes up, well, if Siri doesn't talk to you, you slide, it says power off, slide right across. All your stress is gone. You don't, you don't hear it. It doesn't ring. Nobody texts you. You don't get emails. It, it's, it's the most relieving thing you've ever experienced. Try it this afternoon, I promise. It'll, it'll relieve you. And you know what happens with, with our intake, what we do? I get a notification on my phone. It usually comes on Sunday morning. I, don't, I, don't, I didn't set it that way. I think Apple, maybe that's the default. I get a notification on my phone every Sunday morning, and it says screen time. And I can, I can almost look, and if that screen time, the amount of time I've spent on my screen is high, I've probably had a rough week. I've probably had a lot of stress in my week. Honestly, this week I got it this morning. I, I didn't know I, would, I was preparing the sermon. I didn't know it would say this. I got it this morning. It said your screen time was down 73%. So was my stress. You know, it, it just turn it off. Turn it off. Let me tell you something. Uh, you know, I think, I think that plays true for a lot of us. We understand, we understand uh, a phone. But there's a lot of things that we allow to be brought into our life that causes us stress. I want to use an example. Lucas, come up here and help me for just a minute and grab that tote that's back there. In our lives, uh, I, I also love this. When, when you have teenagers, uh, usually that's who I'm speaking to. If you get a box, you automatically get their attention. It doesn't matter what's in the box. They all sit up. They look straight. And I just found out it's true for adults, too. Some of you are, like, waking up your husband. He's got a box. He's got a box. Wake up. Okay. Um, so Lucas here is, is going to be the example of, uh, of us. We have, we have things in our life. We have things that cause us anxiety and stress, and they cause us to worry and all these things. And we know that there's something that brings peace. God's already given us his peace. He wants to give it to us, right? It's right here. It's here for the taking. And we know where it is and we know what it is. But here's what actually happens in our lives. Somebody calls and says, hey, 
um, you know, we're having, a, we're having a pool party this afternoon. Would, would you want to come over, bring the kids, and go swimming? And you're like, yeah, that's stress-free for sure. I'm coming. You know, you get your, get your towel out. You're ready to go. Bring the kids. Get some more towels for the kids and load it up. And we're all ready to do that. And, then, and we've got that on our schedule. And then the next day, Nancy calls, our friend Nancy, that knows that we make the world's best cupcakes and says, hey, we're having a PTA meeting this week. And uh, everybody wants your cupcakes. Could you, would you be willing to make cupcakes? And you're like, well, yeah, I can make, I can make cupcakes. Get ready to make those cupcakes. And so you add that. Now you add that into your schedule. And then uh, Lucas, he plays basketball sometimes. Not as often as I'd like, but he does play basketball. And so sports comes in. And we've gotta, now we've got to get the kids to practice. You know, sometimes practice happens daily. Uh, sometimes, depending on what sport you play, you may have two a days. You've got to get there a couple times a day. And now you've got you've to balance this. Nothing wrong with this. It's great. I love sports. But you've got you to balance that. And then you find that you haven't had time to work out. Oh, goodness. Haven't had time to work out, so you've got to add some weights to your schedule. You've got to be sure that you have time to stay healthy. It's a good thing and you add this into your schedule, and then your friend Nancy told her friend Susie about the cupcakes that you're making for the PTA meeting, and she said, we've got to have those cupcakes at our PTA meeting, and we'll pay for them. More cupcakes. You've got to add more cupcakes into your schedule, and then it's time to go back to school. You've got to take night classes, and you just get all of this stuff loaded into your schedule, and you're saying, God, I just need peace. I just, I just need peace. I need, I need to be done with this anxiety. And God's going, okay, I just, is there any place that I can put this here? Is there some place, is there a way that you can hold this? Well, he, it, the, the answer is actually easy. We've got to start looking at our intake, and we've just got to cut some stuff out. Um, I actually, I told you I learned some things this week. I actually learned a new word. Thanks, Lucas. You can have a seat. I learned a new word, and it's, um, I, I always have trouble pronouncing words, but this one's in the Bible. It's a, an ancient word. I'm probably going to pronounce it wrong, but I'll spell it for you. It, it's like this, N-O. It, it's the, I think it's pronounced no, and when somebody comes and says, I need you to do this, it's the best thing ever. You just say, no, no, I can't, I actually, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, it's just, I've got something that's more important. And isn't it crazy? We can't do that. We've eliminated that word from our vocabulary when, when it, can, and it can help us in a great way. Let's move to the next thing. I'm going to move quickly here. The next thing is, um, uh, I, I was kind of using the example here, but uh, here's the thing that we need to do, is that when something come, comes along, we really need to just check for balance, okay? And so, no, we can't have cupcakes and swimming and all this other stuff, but we probably could have sports and still have time for God's word, for peace. We could probably have just cupcakes or just, we could probably have one or two of those things, but, but we, never, we never check for imbalance. That's, that's the next point here is check for imbalance. I want to tell you kind of a, an embarrassing story real quick, and, and we'll be done with this point, but as we were preparing for this uh, sermon series, pastor told us about it kind of a, a couple of months ago, and uh, one of the first things we do, so my job, I, I work with the teenagers, but I also do other computery things. Is, I think that's the actual job title, just computery stuff, and so if it's related to a computer, actually, if you want to know most of what that means is I just tell my coworkers to turn it off and turn it back on, and that's or I unplug it for and plug it back in, but 
so if, if there's some kind of computery, then a lot of times that, that falls to me. And so oftentimes the, the graphics that we have on the screens, a lot of times that, that falls to, to my job. And so we had an idea whenever we originally came up with this series, we were like, we've never done this before. This will be really cool. We'll get each of us to stand on a wall. We'll do silhouettes. And each of us will be, we'll have a silhouette of each of us that are, that are going to be preaching through our life verses, and it'll be a really cool graphic. And I was like, yeah, that sounds, that sounds really cool. And so we, we started that process, and we went, we all stood on a wall, and we took pictures, and I made up this design that I ended up hating, but, you know, at the front, you've got, you've got Pastor Josh, and then you've got Pastor Nick, right? And then you've got, you've got Hunter and his man bun. These silhouettes, these shadows, you recognize them. And then you've got me, the hunchback of Fresno. <laughs> I, I was so, I hated, I hated the way it looked. And, and, I, and so, this is so awful, but so I got on, I, I really, I was like, my posture is atrocious. I, I don't know what's wrong. I was looking at Nick, and he's standing straight up, and I'm, I'm just hunched over. And so I got on YouTube, and I started looking at these videos, this is awful, on ways to improve your posture, ways to, you know, and it was like stand in a doorway and make sure that your head touches the doorway, which mine didn't. I was like eight inches away, you know. <laughs> And, uh, and I, got, I got even deeper, if you've ever done this, I got even deeper into YouTube, and, it, and it's like there's, there's these people that watch these chiropractic videos, and they, they listen for cracks when they crack your back and things. And these people that watch these videos, they've given them a name. They're called crack addicts. Like, they love the crack. I became a crack addict. I'm just watching these videos, and I, I'm trying to learn. Here's, here's something interesting that I found, though. I was reading, like, why would this be something that you're concerned about, that you have horrible posture? And what I read was that if, you're, if your head is not balanced directly like it should be, if you're, you know, what I described, just a half inch off or an inch off actually increases the amount of weight that, that you're having to support by your neck. So if I'm leaning forward, it can be as much as 10 or 15 pounds extra weight. And it goes all the way down. It, it makes my back hurt. It, it makes my legs hurt. It, just all of these things start happening. I, I started to think about that in the spiritual sense. When we come to a position where we are out of balance, where we've lost our balance and lost our equilib- equilibrium, we, we don't realize what other effects that has on us. Yeah, all we're saying yes to is that, that one little thing that, that there's nothing wrong with and we know we'll enjoy, but it throws us out of balance. And now that we're out of balance, it's, we don't know. We're thinking the only problem we're having, well, I'm out of balance, it's just my neck. Next thing you know, your back starts hurting. And, next thing, and, and in a spiritual way, it starts to flow over into other parts of our life. And we start to experience that in other parts. And so we want to check for imbalance. I'm moving quick here. Number three, stop the indecision. Stop the indecision. We went, um, we went to a... Uh, uh, banquet a, a while back, Brenda and I went to, and we lived in Indianapolis, and it was a, um, it was kind of for a, a political cause that we feel strongly about, and I, I won't tell you a lot about it or who it was, but there was a, um, a U.S. president that was the guest speaker, and they sat him down, and they asked a series of questions uh, from this U.S. president, and they said, what is it like, he actually wrote a book on it, what is it like being the president of the United States? He said, it's actually very simple to describe but it's not easy to do. 
He said, really, it's just a series of decision after decision after decision. And he said the moment that he finds himself not making a decision, that's just something that gets held over his head. That's something that's causing stress and worry and concern and all these things. And can I encourage you this morning, just make some decisions. How many times uh, do you get asked to do something and you say, let me get back to you on that or, or let me check my schedule uh, let, let me finish this thing that I might be doing. That, that's one of my pet peeves when I ask somebody, hey, uh, we're having a, whatever, a connection group activity. We use this as an example. Hopefully no one in my connection group has done this. I'm not singling you out. But we're having a connection group activity. Great, I think I'll be there, but let me check on this thing that I might be doing, but I don't know if I'm doing because this person's supposed to tell me if I'm doing it. I'm like, hey, if you haven't decided to do that, just decide to do this. Just decide to do this other thing. And I think we find ourselves in a position so often of just indecision. And the truth is, not making a decision is a decision not to act. And, and in our lives, if we can just, just do away with, with this stress by just making a decision. We, we live in a world that's filled with having to make decisions. I feel this. You know, you go to a fast food restaurant and there's, there's 95 different choices. I went, seriously, I went with a friend to a Mexican restaurant. Uh, it's, it's been a while back and uh, I'd never been. I was going to order just whatever he ordered. And he handed the menu back to the guy. He said, I'll take a number 27. It's like, number 27? Like I'm used to four value meals or something. Number 27, we're, we're filled with all these decisions. And what happens is it comes to those important points in our lives when, when God's calling us just to make a decision to do something, and we feel the stress, not of what it is, but just of making the decision. Have you ever had your, your wife ask you about something? This happens, um, uh, the, the most common, actually, example of this is probably a restaurant. What do you want for dinner? Uh, well, uh, I, I don't want to make a decision. She makes a decision. I, no, that's not what I wanted. I, did, I didn't want that. I don't care where we go, but I don't want to go there. We just don't want to make a decision. And, and I, I feel like in my life, when I come to that point where uh, I'm in indecision, it's a great deal of stress relief just to simply make a decision. Number four, live with integrity. Now, we, we see this, uh, we hear this word and we think of one thing. The Bible says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them, walk in integrity. I think there's a lot of different things when we think of that word integrity, a lot of important things um, when we think of that word integrity, but it's interesting as you do kind of, a, I was looking at the words earlier and doing a little bit of a word study, but when you look at that word integrity, the, the root word that comes from that, we've heard in math, right? It's, it's integer, and it literally means whole. It's a whole number, not a fraction. Uh, the word integrity actually means that as well. It means whole. You want to know what's causing us stress a lot of times is it's just that we're not a whole person. We have nine different fractions of ourselves that have to perform in different ways based on where we're at and who we're with. We have, I have church me, and I have playing basketball with the guys me, and I have at work me, and I have at home me, and I'm trying to balance all these different personalities. And what's worst, and I, I, I've seen this happen, I've seen it happen at church where one of those personalities creeps into another area, right? You get here on Sunday morning, and you, you're all dressed, and it's church you. It's time to be church you, okay? We've got to, there's some words we can't say. There's some things we can't do. We, we've got to be all dressed up, and what happens? You send one of the kids in. You've told him nine times to stay away from the water fountain. 
you come walking in, he's wearing one shoe, and he's got water running down the front of his chest. He's, you know, he's clearly been at the water fountain after you told him not to, and what comes out at home, you, when we get home, when we get home, and then here comes another church member walking around the corner, and we've got to seal it up. It's time for church me. Hey, we're going to talk about this when we get home, when we get home, but when, when you get home, home you is coming out, right? It, it, it would help us just to be a, a, that whole person, to be who God has really made us to be and be that person all the time. With teenagers, this plays out. Uh, uh, teenagers uh, uh, oftentimes will have different personalities and, and different things, but I see even on social media, this is kind of a thing right now where uh, a teenager will have, and this is true of adults too, but they have a, a regular Instagram and a regular Snapchat, but then they have this other one, you know, that's the one for their parents to look at, and then they have this other one for their friends to look at, they have this other one that they message people on, and we, we divide ourselves into fractions. All of us do this in one way or another, and the truth is if we would just seek, seek to be whole, look for integrity within our lives, it, it would relieve a great deal of stress that, that in a lot of ways we've just brought upon ourselves. Lastly here, fix your intention. The one who searches for what is good finds favor, but someone uh, looks for tr- if someone looks for trouble, it will come to him. Proverbs eleven twenty seven says that. Has it ever been your intention to prove that the problem you're experiencing is somebody else? Rather than your intention being just to find peace, rather than your intention being just to find a relationship with Christ and to, to, to soak up the graces and the mercy that he has for you, your intention is to prove that it's not your fault. So if somebody, if, if she wouldn't have said that, if he wouldn't have done that, if that person wasn't driving that way, if they would have showed up on time, if they, it, all of these things, and we find all these reasons why, why this concern and this worry and this anxiety, why all this is coming to our lives, rather than just coming back and saying, search me. Search me, God. Know my thoughts. Know my concerns. See if there be a wicked way in me. Uh, uh, oftentimes, our intentions just, they, they corrupt what it is that God is trying to do. I'm going to give you one more, and we'll close with this. This is a, this is a bonus. It's not in your no, notes. I think this is true, especially I found this to be very true uh, in the culture of our church. And I, it's, I, certainly it is outside of it, but I found this to help me in a great way. That is this. You can write it down. Avoid isolation. You are not alone. You're not alone. And you know the first thing that you want to do whenever stress and, uh, and anxiety and worry and concern, the first thing you want to do is you want to isolate yourself. You want to shut yourself off, certainly from the world, but sometimes we want to shut ourselves off from God and everything that are, that's around us when the truth is that's what's best for us. Psalms 139, 7 through 10, this is actually the same chapter we read at the very beginning, but this, these verses are a little bit earlier, and David's saying, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Shoal, you are there. If I live in the eastern horizon or settle at the western limits, even there your hand will lead me, your right hand will hold on to me. Colossians says, bearing with one another and forgiving one another, if anyone has a grievance against another, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so also uh, to forgive. Above all, put on love 
is the perfect bond of unity. You know we have something at our church, and we do this on purpose as a, a very deliberate thing. We have connection groups. We're getting ready to do these focus groups here in, in just a few weeks. You know, there's a reason that we do that, and I think that I think you will find, like I have, that whenever we get around other believers and we find that unity and we see that perhaps they are struggling with some of the same struggles that we're struggling with and that they have found the same peace that we're after, it changes the game. When we can find that unity with other brothers and sisters in Christ, and we've, we've created that with, with connection groups or small groups and even with these, these focus groups, but I want to ask you, are you taking advantage of, of the unity that is available to you from our church? And Sunday morning is great. You know, we have a lot of unity here on a Sunday morning, but are you really taking advantage of those things that God has to offer you? I'll close with this. What is it that is preventing, I've, I've talked about a lot of things, but what is it that is preventing his peace from flooding your life? Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of the Ambassador Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.